Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. My journey of sports history knowledge continues as today I track down the origin and the meaning of the New York Knicks NBA basketball franchise and I have some of my friends from the Gridiron Uniform database telling me about the revisions in uniforms. It's all coming up in just a moment. My name's Darren Hayes, and I know you've heard me on the Pigskin Dispatch talking about football history for years. Well, now I'm on a new mission, a quest to find sports history in other sports as well as football by learning through the jerseys and the apparel and the gear that the players wore and the franchises supplied their teams. It's an educational trip, and I'm taking you with me day by day, player by player, uniform by uniform, the Sports Jersey Dispatch. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my sports history friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch, and welcome to the program once again, where we have a great little bit of uh, information that we're going to share on my quest to learn more about sports history. And first, we have a, a little segment that I learned a little bit on my own. Then we have some from some of my friends from a recent interview with the Gridiron Uniform Database guys of Tim Brulia, Larry Schmidt, and Bill Schaefer on their views of the uniform. Before that, here's what I've learned. probably going to be showing my age, but many of us that are a little bit older remember the old commercials for the National Enquirer uh, magazine where they would say, inquiring minds want to know. Well, I was never a subscriber or a reader of the National Enquirer, uh, but my mind is always inquiring things on sports history. That's what this uh, website and this podcast are all about, the Sports Jersey Dispatch. It's my quest to go through and try to figure out some things and learn some new things about sports history. So one thing that came to my mind is where did the word or the name of the New York Knicks comes from? Now, Nick is not a common word used in our American version of the English language. So I guess I need to first find out what the answer is, is what in the world is a Nick starting with a K? So I dug into some research mode on this one. And Nick is an abbreviated nickname, which probably most people know. Uh, no pun intended with the name nickname, uh, but for the word Knickerbockers, which is in fact the official formal name of the New York City NBA franchise. Now, a Knickerbocker is a style of pants that original settlers of New York City, the Dutch, wore when they founded the town in 1625 as New Amsterdam was the name of the city. It was common for these Dutch men to wear a style of pants known as Knickerbockers, and it was a very distinguishing trait for the group. All right, we still have the style of trousers uh, today, or pants, uh, worn by men and women, but we know them by the nickname of Knickers. Uh, not Knicks or Knickerbockers, but Knickers, short for Knickerbockers. Uh, so, 
you know, the according to the website of culturetrip.com, where we got a lot of this information for today's article, in 1809, famed author Washington Irving solidified the ties between the city, which was renamed New York City in 1664 by the English settlers, and Knickerbockers by publishing a satirical history of New York, later known as a Knickerbockers history of New York, under the pseudonym Diedrich Knickerbocker. Now, Irving's text introduced the word to represent any New York City resident who could trace his or her ties back to the original Dutch settlers. Well, the term Knickerbocker, after this famous reference, was solidified as another name for anything New York City. You know, you didn't have to be of Dutch ancestry and uh, be an original settler. Anybody that lived in New York would become that Knickerbocker. In fact, a character was created that was a very popular symbol in the Big Apple of a dude called Father Knickerbocker. He, he had the old triangle hat and the buckles on his shoes, you know, I'm more expecting, you know, some wooden loafers on there being Dutch, but hey, what are you gonna do? And he also had a big powdered wig. We have an illustration of a early uh, 20th century magazine cover that has Father Knickerbocker on it. Uh, Puck Magazine uh, has it with a political cartoon, uh, courtesy of Wikimedia Commons, so you want to check him out there. And you know, then it goes to the hard courts, you know, and I get it, the Knickerbocker is New York. So how does it translate to the name of an NBA franchise? An article on culturetrip.com fills us in on this too. New York's basketball franchise was awarded to owner Ned Irish in 1946 as a charter member of the 11-Man Basketball Association of America, the BAA, which would later merge with the National Basketball League, NBL, to form the NBA three years later, 1949. Mr. Irish put together a group to name the team. And there were some, you know, the leaders of Madison Square Garden, and uh, I think uh, one of his like general manager of the team, maybe the coach. Uh, and some other uh, people that would be in the know. And they all put the names of what they wanted to name this for new franchise's uh, moniker in a hat, and they didn't pulled them out and tried to see what they had. And the most popular ones had some reference to Knickerbocker or Father Knickerbocker, pseudonym of the city. Along came a famous local cartoonist of the New York World Telegram newspaper. His name was Williard Mullen, and he took Father Knickerbocker and drew him bouncing a basketball. And the team latched onto the idea and sported it as their logo all the way through the 1964 season. A new logo with the classic round ball as it's called, was adopted after another artist, Bud Freeman, uh, from the J.C. Bull Advertising Company, pitched the idea to the Knicks brass in the mid-1960s, and they loved that logo, switched over to that. And what about the colors? Uh, you know, the, the article also tells us that the traditional colors of orange, blue, and white are also paying homage to the early Dutch settlers of New York City, and these are the colors found on the flag of the Dutch Republic, which also goes by the name of pr the Prince's Flag in respect to the Prince William of Orange. So get that orange color in there. I thank a Culture Trip website for the great article as it really filled the bill for educating me on the name of Knicks and Knickerbockers and a great basketball franchise in New York City and uh, pay some great homage to the city's history and their original settlers, the Dutch of New Amsterdam, which is now New York City. We thank you for uh, joining us once again on this little history trip back in sports history on a great franchise in the uh, professional sports realm. And we hope you'll join us for more as we do this three or four times a week. And now let's hear a little bit of a tidbit of history from one of my friends. 
In this episode, my friends are from the Gridiron Uniform Database. In a recent uh, interview I did with them, this is an excerpt from that, but Tim Brulia, Bill Schaefer, and Larry Schmidt, and they're talking about some Gridiron uniforms, some of the biggest changes and revisions that they see. Uh, the disappearing sleeves. You know, in the from the 1920s up until about World War II, uh, the players wore full-length sleeve, you know, from the shoulder to the wrist. Somewhere in the mid-late 40s, they started to become three-quarter length sleeves. And that, you know, went through the 60s, probably early 70s, and then they just became short sleeves. But, you know, what that really did for um, greatly impacted uniform design, you know, like the Giants traditionally wore um, Northwestern stripes on their white jerseys in the 50s and the 60s, you know, and now they kind of try to squeeze them in there on the, you know, the it's just like a little cap that comes over the edge of the shoulder pad. And they, some teams, they look really awkward. You know, they, they bend and that this, they, you know, they just don't look right. And, you know, teams like um, the Colts with the UCLA stripes over the shoulder, you know, they get, they get cut, you know, it used to wrap all the way around the arm and they look great. So as, and, you know, numbers used to be on the sleeves. Now they're up high on the shoulder pad and it's just, you know, over time, the jerseys basically don't have sleeves anymore. Okay. Uh, uh, Tim, the same question to you. What, what might be the, the biggest innovation do you, you've seen over the last 101 plus years of the NFL to the jerseys? Well, I concur with Larry on, on the sleeves, obviously, because that's perhaps the most noticeable, maybe apart from the helmet itself, where, you know, obviously we've gone from uncolored leather helmets to colored leather helmets to you know, the crude plastic helmets that uh, Riddell came out with in the mid to late 40s to now we have the, uh, you know, and, and in fact, though, I have to say that plastic helmet in basic design lasted for quite a number of years before, I guess, in the early part of this past decade when obviously concussions became a major concern. And so helmets now are, are shaped, uh, it seems like they almost change shape uh, on a yearly basis now with uh you know, different, you know, vent holes in the helmet and, you know, different, you know, bends and shapes, I guess, to better conform to the player's head. Obviously, that has had an impact on the logos on the helmets as well, uh, you know, so because with all the, like I say, the, you know, the air holes in the helmet and the ridges and, and such in the helmet, it's kind of harder to slap a decal on. So the helmet, though, in that area, in design form, as far as, you know, the looks of a it has kind of gone a little kind of, I don't want to say astray, but they've gone, you know, so you're, they're having to, whereas before the stripe up the middle on a plastic helmet was a natural because it was kind of like a two piece connected by like the ridge. And so they could easily stripe the helmets. Now the stripe kind of almost looks forced in a way on, on some of the helmets. Um, also we've seen, uh, Pants lately seem to be getting shorter and shorter. I mean, no question about it. We're seeing now a lot of players wearing their pants well above the knee to, uh, you know, even though the NFL says, you know, they, you know, you have to wear them over the knee, but obviously I think the uniform police are, is almost becoming non-existent uh, anymore. So those changes as, as well as Larry, uh, you know, has said too, with the sleeves, and I'm beginning to think we may see a trend into just doing away with what we call the TV numbers altogether. I think Cincinnati and New England, they kind of uh, scrapped them. 
Uh, and they are not, they are not mandatory anyway in the NFL rule book. They said that you should wear them, but you don't have to. So I think what could happen in the, in the near future with the jerseys is that we're just going to start seeing more teams follow the lead of the Bengals and, and the Patriots and just simply, and I think the Chargers are another team as well that don't wear a TV number anymore. I think that trend's going to start continuing. So those are my issue uh, where I think the, the uniforms also socks, I guess you could say oh. is another one. Uh, we're seeing all sorts of variety of socks anymore. We see socks going down to the ankle, which kind of is cool in a way, because then it kind of brings back what teams wore in the 1920s when they didn't really seem to wear the, the white sanitary socks. Um, but I, I don't like to see the lack of stripes on socks. That's kind of my thing. I, I, you know, socks for the most part now are solid colors as opposed to, you know, being with stripes. But those are the issues and the trends that I have seen over the last uh, century or so of, of the NFL. Well, many thanks for that, guys. Uh, Tim Brulia, Larry Schmidt, Bill Schaefer, Gridiron Uniform Database. Make sure you check out that website, gridirons-uniforms.com. Uh, just an absolutely fantastic site to look at some uh, very modern and very old uh, jersey colors and uh, knowing what uh, players were wearing in professional football. And also, thanks uh, to where we got all of our reference points. Uh, we mentioned earlier, you know, where we got the Knicks uh, items from uh, and that great article that we had. And we also want to thank uh, sports reference uh, sites of basketball reference, pro football reference, uh, hockey reference, and baseball reference.com, as well as Stathead and newspapers.com and honestday.com for all the great things that they bring to us, some great reference points, uh, great ways of learning about sports history, day-to-day basis, as well as your sports jersey dispatch and pigskindispatch.com and the sportshistorynetwork.com. Thanks to everybody for joining us, and until tomorrow, everybody, have a great day. Sorry, but my pitching coach just called timeout, and he's coming out to the mound. I think I'm going to get yanked for a reliever. We'll see you back tomorrow for some more great sports history on Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. 
Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.